Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. The Ohio River. As a result of that, we had bridges to take us from Clarksville, Indiana to Louisville, Kentucky. I remember watching them build the Kennedy Bridge after Kennedy was assassinated. And I watched them put these big round things out in the water and begin to take the water out of the river and cause it to be dry. And I remember saying to my dad, Dad, why are they doing that? He said, because they can't build the bridge unless they get the water out and dig down to bedrock. And when they get down to bedrock, they put the pillars in and the bridge will stand no matter if there's a flood or winds come. If it's built upon a good foundation, it will stand. In the Christian life, foundations are important. In churches' lives, foundations are important. And Jesus talks about he'll build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. You ever heard of that one? And Jesus also said these words, and I'm going to read two scriptures found in Matthew 28, verse 19 and verse 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things wherein I have commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you even to the end of the world." So we're going to look for a moment tonight at the foundation of our lives and the foundation of a church. And for us to make the greatest impact, we have to have the greatest foundation. How many knows that? The Bible says, and I'm going to read this to you, it's found in Matthew chapter 7, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine... And does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be stable and those that do not hear them and does not do them they shall be like to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand tonight my life and your life and the future life of this church and the world depends upon the foundation we build our lives upon in other words another name would be priorities having right priorities. You know, one of the greatest curses of people who live is they never become what they could have been. In other words, they have untapped ability and they never really become who they could be. I've heard a man say that we use very small percentage of our brain. My excuse is I got a small brain. But the question is, will you and I become who we can be? Will our church become what it could be? And if we'll make right decisions, there's no limit to what this church and what our lives can do. Who would have ever dreamed almost two decades ago that this church would send money to a place called Iraq? 
And we did it, and we still do tonight. And as a result of that, as I shared with you on a Sunday, that there are churches being built, Muslims are being converted, the gospel's being preached, all because we had a good foundation. And that was a man said, I'll go, and we supported him and helped him to fulfill the destiny on his life. The problem in most churches is that people and pastors become happy and never become what we could have been. In other words, our foundation could be something other than what God would have us to be. And as I read that first scripture to you, teaching them to observe all things... And you know the purpose of our life is not only to be born again tonight and make heaven our home, but the purpose of our life is to produce and let our lives produce what Jesus has called us to be. You and I have a divine calling. Each one of us has a divine calling to rise higher than we ever dreamed we could do, to do more in the kingdom than we ever thought was possible, and receive from God what he has for us if he'll pour out his spirit upon us and help us to do all that we could become. And so I want to talk for a few moments tonight on evangelism. How many believes all sinners need to be saved? Every sinner in this town, how many think they should give their life to Christ? So that must mean that that should be a priority in our life, right? That you and I take the opportunity to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ and the very people we never dreamed that will become a Christian is the very people that will get saved. When I was pastoring in Bullhead City in the 80s, there was a young man in our church named, well, he was a middle-aged man, Bob Burris. And he did concrete work. And when I was in Bullhead, they was afraid the dam would overflow. And the water got real high. And as a result of it, the houses along the river down there, the driveways that was reaching out was undermined. And many of the driveways fell off into the river down there. And I said to Bob one time, I said, Bob, how come you bid so much money and charge so much more than the other guys? How are you going to make it? He said, I make it because when I put a driveway in, it's going to stay. And he says, come get my truck. Let me show you something. And so we went down by the river, and the river was high, and it was rushing there. And there was driveways. You could see where they had broke off and they're no longer existing and he pointed to a driveway that hung over three foot out over that cliff he said i built that one and that's why i can charge what i want to charge because when i build it every material that needs to be in a driveway to make it strong i put in there he said i don't cut corners they're going to pay for it but the man who paid me for that driveway is sure glad he hired me. And so when the river went back down, they backfilled under a driveway hanging out over. 
And he kept his driveway because this man understood that a foundation of a driveway is important as the foundation of a bridge. And what's important in the church, and all of us have to get a hold of this, there's nothing more important than seeing people saved. We have no program that's greater than evangelism. That's where you and I, as people of the church, share the gospel with people. Oh, we evangelize. Yes, we're on the internet. Yes, we preach. And yes, we have programs. And there is Jacob's Ladder and many programs. And we support missionaries. But the question is, will I fulfill and become what I could have been? And will I make the impact my life could have made if I don't evangelism and take advantage of sharing the gospel here in Kingman? I wonder what that preacher felt like when Billy Graham got saved and he looked at this old skinny boy come to the altar. I wonder how many times he preached and felt totally bummed out nobody responded. Or somebody, when he gave an invitation, they would say no by not coming. And maybe he felt, but he kept preaching. And as a result of it, Billy Graham got saved. Billy Graham preached to more people than anybody's ever lived. And every time somebody got saved, the man who was preaching, when Billy Graham gave his heart to the Lord, his life lived on. In Kingman, Arizona, we have no idea who's here. And we have no idea what they could become. I battle this every time I go to Walmart. Between people in their pajamas. There's a show. You want some entertainment, go to Walmart. You don't even have to pay. You can just sit there and watch it. I mean, it's a wild place, buddy. And one day I was sitting there at McDonald's in the Walmart, and I was laughing at people to myself. Because, <laughs> you know? I mean, there's some funny-looking people. And you know what? The Holy Spirit just kicked me. He said, you don't care. They're funny to you but they're eternal to us. And I pass these people, all of them's got dogs. Pray for those poor dogs that's sitting in that heat all day. And these people are asking for money. And then this scripture comes to me, it could be an angel unaware. And then I'm thinking, if I pass that one by, I'm in trouble. My wife's gonna have to give me a bigger allowance. But it's more than that. It's more than giving somebody a sandwich. It's more than just looking at people and, and making some judgment. Every person needs Jesus. And we're a part of a church, or the church. We're part of believers that already know Christ. 
and have the opportunity as we partner together, just like Iraq or Africa. And when those people go to the well to get fresh water in Africa, you've had a part in that. And when you sit on the chairs, you bought the chairs for them. And when they had the roof over their head, this church paid for the roof and paid for the building and the gospel's being preached. And yet it's so easy for us in, right here in Kingman to miss the opportunity to evangelize and share Jesus with them. I mean, when Alex gets up and tells about how many people got saved, you guys cheer, don't we? When you hear about Iraq, we cheer. But I want to talk to us about Kingman, that we as individuals and as a church have a good foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ, him crucified, rose from the dead, and is his right hand of his Father, and it's not his will that anybody in Kingman perish, but all come to repentance, but it's amazing how many churches we have and how many people claim Jesus, and yet these sinners are not reached. The guy who preached when Bill Graham got saved, I'm sure he preached many times when other people didn't, but he kept preaching. And I believe everybody in this building has probably invited somebody to church that didn't come. And I bet some of you, when you were invited at one time, didn't come to a church service or something going on. But all tonight, we are his hands, we are his feet, we are his mouthpiece, and we need to evangelize that this city can be touched with the gospel and lives can be changed. In other words, we can support each other and do this. We can encourage each other, and we can partner together and make an impact upon the gospel. Now, just stop for a minute and think with me. Turn your phone off. Don't look at Don't text for a minute. For God so loved the world, he don't text. <laughs> don't gripe about these kids that string out on drugs. Some of you are strung out on your phones. Well, it's true. I carry it around myself. I said I'd never have one. And I don't have it with me because I'm preaching. My wife told me I need deliverance from my phone. But as we stop for a moment, what are they going to give in exchange for their soul? Those that are lost. Uh, you, you folks are faithful bringing the tithe and giving offerings, and you're faithful to give to missions. And all of this is what we need to do, right? I, I think that's wonderful. But I want to tell you, it's not Jacob's ladder's call to win souls and the rest of us watch. Or it's not the preacher's call, although he is called, to reach souls. But it's our call. He said, open your eyes and look upon the field. 
for it's white unto harvest. Say not four months and come. He said, it's right here. And I believe God wants to build this church, but not just when somebody gets mad at another church and comes here. But he wants people that's life for wrecks, that have no victory, no future in their own eyes who've given up on life, but because you and I see the opportunity to give them a foundation, see the only foundation that's lasting is Jesus Christ. And you and I have the answer, and you and I need to go out and witness for him. You say, well, do I have to witness everybody? No, but you should be witness to somebody. So should I. I said, so should I. Everybody in this building shouldn't go a week without sharing the gospel with somebody. You say, well, I'm busy. You're too busy then. And I'm too busy then if I'm too busy. Because this is also important. The stage is being set for eternity. Everybody in this town is going to be alive a thousand years from now somewhere. Either in heaven or hell. And you and I have the answer. And you and I have the opportunity. And if we have Jesus in our heart, he can help us say, sure, some might say, I don't want to hear you. Leave me alone. That can happen. But there's somebody like Alex Wilson, our Pastor Wilson, who prays probably like he did and said, God, if you're real, send somebody to me. And the next day, Ron Jones witnessed to him came in the trailer park. And you know, I wonder if there's somebody in Kingman tonight or in my neighborhood, my neighborhood, or your neighborhood, or at one of the restaurants right now, or just out on the street walking that's crying out, God, if you're real, let somebody help me. And you and I have that foundation they need, that thing that'll help them and give them what they're looking for. Therefore, our priority should be to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've used this before, but if we could come up with a pill that everybody had, had cancer, if they just and take them a glass of water and had the pill and they took it and they'd be healed, everybody in this building would buy a pill and give it to somebody. Isn't that true? Would you we not? I would. If we had the answer for cancer, but cancer is something that medical science has not totally understood at all. Some get healed, some gets worse. But I want to tell you this tonight, folks, we do have the pill. It's called the gospel. And everybody in Keman doesn't know Jesus needs Jesus Christ, needs to know what it is to feel their sins are forgiven to become a new person in Christ where old things are passed away and all things become new. And we're a church and we have a foundation, but you know what's the problem with foundations? If you don't build on them, what good's a foundation? We was pastor in Oregon <laughs> and this guy bought some land. I was thinking about this today. And so he didn't get a building permit. And so he had all this concrete poured, built this beautiful foundation, 
had the lumber delivered that was sitting beside the foundation and the city come in and shut him down. So what good's the foundation and the material if you can't build, right? And what good is if we had the answer? And I know we can't build a Christian and we can't change a person, but we have the answer that can. And that is Jesus Christ. And I'm preaching to me tonight. Most of our sermons that we preach is, comes out of what God's dealing with us about. So you're just getting a rerun. But I want to tell you, nothing's more important than witnessing. You say, I'm too embarrassed to witness. Then don't ever tell anybody they ought to try this detergent at work. Or don't ever tell nobody they ought to go to that restaurant it's good. Don't tell me you can't talk to people. We all talk to people. Isn't that right? Oh, I got this cream. And look, my wrinkles are gone. <laughs> We're always advertising. Some of you say, well, if there's that cream, tell me what it is. I want to get some. <laughs> but we talk, don't we? And yet, isn't it, isn't it sad? Isn't it sad that Harry Hills would have the answer to every hurting person in this city? Every person. I have the answer to where they can know where they're going to be a thousand years from today. I had the answer that would deliver them from the habits they can't kick. And I don't share. The greatest thing that happened to me besides being born again is my pastor, and I was a teenager, took me to Skid Row and told me to witness. And I've shared this with you. I thought the only time you witness is when you're in court. You become a witness. I didn't know how to witness. He had me some tracks, said, pass them out. I never had a track in my life. I was raised in church. It was more of a social than an evangelistic church. And when he took me there and said, tell him Jesus loves them, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget kneeling down in the gutter beside a guy who threw up on himself. Went to the bathroom on himself, stunk horribly. And I said, what do we do? And Pastor Murphy said, let's pray for him. We begin to pray, and he sobered up just like that. We shared the gospel with him. I've shared this here before. He was a professional baseball player, married with kids, made all kinds of money, become a drunk and lost his wife and kids, and he was in the gutter in Louisville, Kentucky, on the corner of 2nd and Jefferson, drunk. But when we begin to share, he, he changed. And in a moment of time, he went from a drunk to a child of God. On that corner in Jefferson, in Louisville, we started a mission called Penal Mission. And that mission dealt with nothing but drunks and prostitutes back in the early 60s. And they started getting saved, and before long, our building was too small. And it wasn't because we had the best program, although I think we ought to have the best programs. I'm not against good programs. It's not because we had the best singers. Our singers were the ball barons. They balled, and everybody had to bear it. It was bad news. I mean, bad news. 
But you know, he set a fire in my soul as a teenager. And my greatest joy was not just going to a ball game, and I went to ball games, or doing something kids like to do, and I did that too. But I tell you, when I seen somebody turn to Jesus and seen him in that mission later, serving God, I found out what life's about, and that's Jesus Christ that can change sinners and set them free and get them on the road to heaven. And you know what the problem is after we're saved a while? We can lose that. You know that? I guarantee you. How many you remember when you were born again? Probably one of the first things you did is let either ask your friends or family you wanted to share with them or get them in church. And they said, don't bother me with that religious stuff. I'd say, well, I'm going to bother you till you move and hide, and I don't know where you're at. But after a while, we can just quit, can't we? But I want to ask a question to myself and to you tonight. What's more important than to try by the anointing of the Holy Ghost to reach sinners for eternity? See, this is the foundation. This is the only thing that's going to work. This only thing we can build on that's going to be eternal. One day this building could be torn down if Jesus tarries, and it could become something else. If Jesus tarries another 50 years, we won't have many people here except these kids that's running. Now they'll be like us. But what really will mean something is if we witness and win people to Jesus. When I was a boy in the Methodist church, they used to sing this chorus, and it was just words. But when I got saved as a teenager and we sang it, it touched me deep. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me, and may I humbly do my part to reach that soul for thee. There wasn't words anymore. It was a cry from deep within my life that, oh, God, help me win somebody. You know, in our paper, there's two things that makes the most headlines. You know what they are? The most wanted and those that are died, the obituaries. Have you ever read an obituary and just wondered where that person was? They could be in heaven. I'm not saying they're not in heaven. But you ever wonder, because they're not here anymore. You ever looked at the death note and say, they're not here anymore. They're in eternity somewhere. Well, it's too late, isn't it? But I wonder, let's forget about the paper. I wonder as we drive down the road tonight going home, or tomorrow on our busy day, whether it be work or shopping, where it be, I wonder if God, we'd let God help us, that we'd be sensitive to share the gospel. I don't mean you have to go, you're going to burn. That's not what I'm talking about. It might help them if you did, but don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> but maybe through the conversation when you're speaking to somebody and they say, have a good day or something to you. Could you turn that and say, you know what? I'm having a good day because Jesus is in my heart. And I want to tell you, if you're going through struggles, 
He's your answer. And they might say, I go to church, say, you know, I do too. But you know, there came a day that going to church didn't satisfy, didn't change me, but Jesus did. And we all have the opportunity to witness. What, what, what's going to be our great reward? Is it the mansion we live in? Because we probably want, we're going to have a mansion, but who wants to stay there if Jesus is out there and they're worshiping him? Is it going to be the streets of gold we walk on? That we used to pay big money to try and impress our girlfriend or boyfriend with? Is it going to be jewels? I don't think so, because jewels are going to be in the walls. People aren't going to be wearing them. But I think the greatest thing that can happen to me is when the Lord looks at me and says, well done. Or somebody walks up to me turning and says, you know, you shared Jesus with me. And I'm here because of that. I think that's the reward. I want to challenge myself tonight. And I want to challenge you. Could we make an effort to take the church outside these doors? There might be a lot of empty seats here tonight, but the streets aren't empty. And the stores aren't empty. And where we work, it's not empty. Or where we're going to go eat, it won't be empty. And if we're sensitive to God, I don't mean you have to walk up to every person and say, are you born again? Are you going to hell? That's not what I'm saying. But God can open doors for you and me. And we can share with people. And as a result of that, they can meet Jesus as their personal Savior. You know how Jacob's Ladder started? It didn't start a program. Howard Pennington told John Poole to witness to a man that was drunk outside the back of the church in the alley all day long. His name was Rich. He used to sit in the front row here. And shared the gospel with him, led him in a sinner's prayer, and began to teach him what it's like being a Christian. John Poole did that. Out of that came Jacob's Ladder. That many, many people have been saved since. That's making heaven their home. The families are put back together. Kids came home because child and family service gave them back their kids. Wives and husbands got saved. If out of witnessing to one man, Jacob's ladder could come about, what would happen if each one of us witnessed somebody and won them to Jesus? What could come out of that? Could it be a great revival? Could that person be the next Billy Graham? What could come out of it if I personally win somebody to Jesus? Can, can it be more than a song, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart? Can it be our cry to God? Lord, put them there. Put them there. And I'll do my part to witness to them. Could we dare do that? In the last days, he said, he pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He talks about the great harvest that's going to come. You know how it's going to come? If each one will win one and follow up on them and teach them and they win one. You want to see a full church? In 12 months, if everybody in this building tonight would win one person and follow up on them 
and love them and teach them how to become a witness. Within 12 months, this place will be packed out. That song didn't say, Lord, lay some soul upon his heart or her heart. It says, lay it on my heart. And love that soul through me. Love them when they're unlovely. And Lord, help me to do my part to win that soul for thee. Folks, I didn't preach my sermon. Later date. But I felt inspired by the Holy Spirit when I started preaching this to go in this direction. I think it's God speaking to us today. To me. I'll take it first. Spoke to me. But I think he's speaking to us. You know, the problem with memorial services is we tell people how much they meant to us, but they don't hear it. You know what I mean? We fail to tell them that when they're alive. We snap, oh, he's a great guy, but we never told them that when he's alive. Well, let me tell you something. Somebody's got to tell them about Jesus. There was that song, got to tell somebody. Y'all remember that song back? Some of you old timers? No, I don't know that. I just know it was, <laughs> it was a song that I used to listen to. See, the nice thing about being my age, everything's new every 15 minutes. <laughs> I'd like to partner with you tonight. I'd like to make a commitment with you. I'd like for us to make a commitment to Christ that we're not going to go through days and never tell nobody about Jesus. Is there, uh, let me ask you, is there any message we can share with people in kingdom and more importantly to Christ? If it is, raise your hand. We'll let you tell us. What is it? So it's the most important, right? So could we make a commitment? The Bible said if one could put a thousand, two would put ten thousand. So... I can only do so much and you can only do so much, but if we'd commit together that we're going to look for opportunities, not just to invite them to church, but tell them Jesus loves them and tell them that Jesus can change them before they get to church and Jesus can give them peace that they might not find in the building, only he can give them. If you'll commit with me to do that, I think we'll have a foundation that will shake the gates of hell in Kingman. I think that we could have a foundation that could cause tremendous growth and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you, when you do the most important thing, God blesses you. And the most, Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save. That's what we're lost. All of his miracles he did, and they were phenomenal, weren't they? Dividing the boys' lunch and feeding the multitudes was wonderful. But he didn't come to just feed them physical food, although he gave them physical food. He come to bring salvation to the lost and set the captive free. And he said, when he said, I'll build my church, it wasn't on food, although we like those food times, don't we? But when he went builds church, that he's going to help us to win people and build a church that will shake not only Kingman, and Iraq and Africa, but shake the foundations of hell.
Would you commit with me tonight to be a witness? And not let seven days come by, but you're going to look for an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody. If you would do that, I want you to stand to your feet with me. I want you to lift your hands towards heaven, and I want you to pray this with me. Say, Jesus, you know me more than I know myself and my struggles I go through. But I know it was your will to save me. And it's your will to use me to share the gospel that I might bear fruit and my fruit would remain. So I commit to you tonight as you empower me with the Spirit of God that I'm going to witness and not just try to bring people to church, although I want to bring them, but I want to win them. And I want them to meet Jesus as their personal Savior. Now, Lord, I ask you right now to help every one of us come against our insecurities. Help us, Lord, that we might do your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, I want to close with this. As I look out at you, I see people with no limits. I see a group of people that there's no limits to what you can become. I see people getting saved that can do stuff you could never do and win people you can never win and maybe go to a nation you only read about. So by God's grace, let's be his representative and share the good news to every man and every woman, boy and girl, we can, that Jesus loves them. God bless you as you go. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.